Okay, Matthew 7. I'm gonna, I'll start in verse 21. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And we'll pray before we continue again. Lord, again, as we look at your word, I uh, just ask for your direction, um, your guidance in what and how I say the things that I say this morning, Lord, I just ask that you would be glorified in it, um, Lord, that uh, we would be helped and encouraged from our time together this morning. So we do this for your sake and for your glory, in Christ's name, amen. <coughs> so I started this two weeks ago as a response to what I see frequently used as evidence of salvation. Um, I've seen a couple of instances where a person asks a pastor, how do I know that I'm saved? And the pastor points to their works. They point to how are your what does your life look like? What is your desires? What is the outward expression of your faith look like? And that's not what Scripture points us to when it comes to asking, are you sure you're saved? The Scripture points us to, what did you believe? What did, um, John mentioned this question that we ask people, and I have... I forgot to bring it. There's a booklet, and I can't remember who the author is. The question is, what think ye of Christ? <laughs> um, that's the question we need to ask people. What think ye of Christ? What have you done with the gospel? You know, we, we talk about the death, burial, and resurrection, and it's our faith in that as payment for our sins. It's faith in Christ alone. It's by God's grace that we get saved. And so that's what I want to look at. Um, hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm assuming there's some questions. I know there's some questions. I assume there's more than one person that has questions. Um, and so I'm just trying to clarify some of what I've been saying um, and deal with a couple of challenges to that point that, that I've been making. So, and my point... <laughs> I need to be very clear, I am not giving a license to sin. <laughs> not in any way, shape, or form. There's, that's the complete opposite of what I'm doing. I'm just saying that when I look at you, all I can look at, and that's the issue, is that we look at our outward appearance, and, and I judge whether or not you are saved based on what I see. But that's not a right judgment, because you can fool me easily. The real question is, is your faith in Christ alone? Um, and so that's my point, is that there is no true evidence of salvation aside from what you put your faith in. Um, the outworking of that faith is what we're supposed to do, 
but it's not necessarily evidence or proof that we're saved. Um, we're going to look at a couple of different things here this morning. I've seen people taking the opposite stance that I've been taking go to this passage that I read last week and this week in Matthew 7, and they read it and apply it in the opposite direction. But we need to read it for what it actually says. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. There are people going to stand before Christ thinking they should be allowed into heaven who aren't. We need to ask the question, what is the criteria that they're pointing to that think that they think they should be allowed in? They're standing there calling him Lord, Lord. But he says, not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. What's the will of the Father? John 6.40, if you... Don't, don't lose your spot in Matthew 7 if you're following me, but... John 6, I'll I'll read one other verse in there. Verse 29 first says, Jesus saith, sorry, Jesus answered and saith unto them, this is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he has sent. This is the work of God. And verse 40 basically says it again, and this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up the last day. So when we go back to Matthew 7, it's he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. What's the will of the Father? That we believe in Christ. Don't point to the law when we ought not to point to the law. Um, And we'll deal with that momentarily here. But look at what he says, the profession of those saying, Lord, Lord, that aren't going to enter the kingdom. Verse 22 says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. They're pointing at what we're looking at as evidence of salvation. Look at the proof that I'm a Christian. I've done all these Christian things. I've done many wonderful works. I go to church, I taught Sunday school, and I, you name it, you do all the Christian things. I read my Bible, I studied, I preached, I taught, I did. But then... Verse 23, it says, Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. I never knew you. He doesn't care about the works. He doesn't care how much you've done for God. He's not looking at the evidence. He's looking, I never knew you. Um, I did not look up this verse. I've read it. 
It's that I... Something about that, I, not that we've known God, but that we are, rather that we are known of God. Um, I think it's in Romans, probably. But that's, the verse is implying that, yes, we, we come to know Christ through faith in him. But that's also how God knows us in this context of, I never knew you. Well, of course God knows us. It's the relationship, right? It's that corrected relationship. It's the salvation relationship. It's through faith in Christ's sacrifice on the cross that God knows us. Anybody found that? <laughs> Galatians 4? Anyway, it, not that important, but it's just, it's there. It's rather we are known of God. Um, and that's through our, our coming to faith in Christ for salvation, is that we are known of God. Um, and that's where, that's what's missing in this passage. They're pointing to their works, they're pointing to the evidence, but they're missing the initial ingredient, which is faith in Christ. And so, do we look at the outward appearance, or do we look at the heart of what, what it is we've actually believed? I want to look at Luke 18. Romans 1.19? Well, we're going to Luke 18. I'll just... So it's turning into a Bible study here this morning. <laughs> Galatians what? Four. Yes, that's the one. But now after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? It's pointing us back. Are you turning back to works? <laughs> but... The point of the verse is that after you have known God, or rather are known of God, that's his, it's our faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that gets us known by God. So the Matthew 7 is, I never knew you, means that you never put your full faith in Christ. You're putting your faith in your works, at least partly, for your salvation. And there's a real problem when we do that. Luke 18, hopefully everyone's there now. Um, I'm going to start in verse 9. Jesus is speaking. He says, He spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, I, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. 
And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his host justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth, humbleth himself shall be exalted. Do you see the comparison of this and that passage in Matthew 7? The Pharisee is looking at his works, at the outward appearance that he has evidence in his life that he's saved. The publican sees himself for what he really is, a sinner that doesn't deserve God's grace. And he's just on his face. Sorry for what he is. Pleading with God for forgiveness. And it's, he says that one went to his house justified. And the guy that doesn't do, or thinks that he doesn't do all the wrong stuff, isn't justified before God. Because he's not looking to Christ for the forgiveness of the sin. He's looking to himself that he's demonstrating his righteousness outwardly. And so, now, a person who looks for evidence of salvation would never think that they're doing this, right? They would never look at this and say, well, that's what we're doing. Like, but isn't that really what the end of what we're doing is? If we're looking for evidence that a person has been saved, we're looking to this outward works. We're creating Pharisees. We're creating those who say, Lord, Lord, haven't we done many wonderful works in your name? Who in the end, Christ says, I never knew you. Because if I'm telling you that you need to show works as evidence that you were truly saved, are you depending on what Christ did or are you depending on at least partly what you're doing for him? That's the question. We and that's where we get into the Galatians. And I, for some, somehow, haven't looked at Galatians yet, but I will in a, in a moment. Um, if you look at Ephesians chapter 2 first... Ephesians 2, most, most Christians have memorized verses 8 and 9. I, I would expect you're familiar with it. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we don't tend to memorize verse 10 with that, and we should. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, Unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We're saved with a purpose that we would go on and do good works. But if you read the words of the passage, it includes a word that says we should walk in them. 
Not that if you truly had faith, that you necessarily will walk in those works. You should, but they're not, necess- they're not given as an evidence that you have done that. It's that this is God's purpose. This is God's plan. This is what God wants of us. But when I stand here looking at you, he's not pointing to that as evidence that you've believed the previous two verses. Okay? There's a, I'm just separating the two things is all I'm doing. Separating the faith from the living of that faith and what that ought to look at, look like. Um, Titus 2, I mentioned it at the end of the first message on this topic. Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying and ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, I, can't, I can never get the order here, <laughs> righteously in this present world, that we should live this way. Not that we necessarily will if we truly believed. The grace of God that brings salvation teaches us that we should live righteously in this present world. But it's not a evident token of salvation. As it's said, it's that we should do that not that we absolutely will do that if we actually did believe. Okay? Let's keep going here. I don't want to dwell on this, but I, I've, I've seen this come up. That Romans, sorry, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 passage, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. What is that and it? What is the gift of God? Righteousness. It's it's grace you saved through faith. Um, And I've seen people point to faith is the gift of God. But it's the salvation. And how do I know it's the salvation? Well, read more scripture is how I know it's salvation. Um, Romans 5 is a very important comparison place here. Romans 5, um, we start in verse 15, says, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Um, Here's the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the, the grace of God and the gift by grace, we're definitely talking about the same thing. The gift by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. So we've identified we're talking about the gift that is by grace. Same topic. Verse 16 says, And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one unto condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. The free gift is unto justification. Okay? So what it, here's what it accomplishes. We get justified. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. That gift, by faith, is I get Christ's righteousness applied to me. 
That is what that verse just said. It's by the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, that's Christ, of course, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Uh, free gift was made available to all men. And for by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So just to the point that that gift is the gift of salvation, not a gift of faith. Faith is what avails us of that gift. That's how we receive the gift is through faith, just believing God. As it says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. That's the gift, is that I can believe God and it's counted to me for righteousness. Very important. I should just mention this verse. No one's arguing whether we can lose our salvation. Um, nobody's, nobody's, I don't believe anybody here thinks that. Um, but Romans eleven twenty nine tells us that the gift and calling of God are without repentance. If God gives us a gift of salvation, he does not take it back. But that's not, just to clarify the point, like we're not talking so much about the loss of salvation as we are of, how do I know I'm saved? But to the point, we can't lose our salvation. If God gave us a gift, he's not taking it back. Um, I'll skip that. Let's go to Galatians. So, Galatians chapter 3. In my note, just prior to my references in Galatians 3, I have the question that says, what about James 2? It's always the question, is what about James 2? And it's, it's a worthy question. Because James 2 tells us that faith without works is dead. But I want to clarify something before we go to James 2. And we'll look at, we'll just kind of skip through this chapter in Galatians 3. It's, I, again, recommend read the whole chapter. It's worth reading. Um, but we'll just look at some of the highlights here. Start in verse 3. It says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Having begun in the Spirit, we started with faith in Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Do we now think that we are made perfect by our works, is really what he's saying. Our works essential for our salvation? No. Um, we've proved that over and over. Um, Romans 3 and 4 very clearly tell us that without the works of the law, faith without the works of the law is how we get saved. Sorry, I'll We'll get to one more verse that says that here. Let's go to verse 10. It says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, 
it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. If I read that, I don't see room for works as evidence of salvation. I see that if I'm looking at my works as evidence of my salvation, I'm looking at the wrong thing because I'm doing what the Galatians are doing in error that Paul's tearing them apart for in this passage. Don't look to our works. Because if you're going to look to your works, you've got to keep the whole law completely. It says, but that no man is justified by, in the, by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. Now, remember that I'm asking the question, what about James 2? What about faith without works is dead? This is important to realize is that this statement in verse 11, no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. We're talking about salvation, justification before God. It's in the sight of God. There is no works that are of any value to us. It's faith alone in Christ alone. If we continue a little bit, verse 12 says, And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. He's freed us from the burden of the law. Let's not put ourselves back under the burden of the law by saying that I must now prove my salvation by keeping the law, right? That's the point that Paul is making here. And we skip down to verse 21. It says, Is the law then against the promises of God? That's what their conclusion would almost naturally be. And he says, God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. If the law could do it, if the law had any value whatsoever, salvation would have been by the law. But the whole point of the law is just to prove to us that we're incapable. That it's, with, by that law, I can't accomplish anything worthy to present to God. All I can do is come in faith and believe that Christ did it for me. Now, if you'll come with me to James 2. I'm not overly comfortable with James 2. <laughs> but I do know one thing. James 2 doesn't overrule what the Apostle Paul wrote, what the Apostle John wrote, (laughs) right? doesn't overrule the rest of Scripture. So when I go to Romans 3, I'm just going to read the verse so I don't misquote it. When I go to Romans 3, that says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified. Again, it says, in his sight. Remember that. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. And then verse 28 says, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. 
I'm justified by faith without the deeds of the law. There's no necessity of law-keeping, of works, for my salvation. Chapter 4, verse 5 says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. It's my faith that is counted for righteousness without the deeds of the law. So if I come now to James 2, that if we go to verse... Mm. We'll go toward the end. There's, there's two places it says it. but uh, Verse 26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Faith without works is dead. Does that mean if I don't perform works, I am not saved? No, it says you're dead. <laughs> yeah, but not spiritually dead, right? It can't be because that would overrule the other verses that say that I'm saved through faith without works. I'm justified without works. So I can't make this say that I'm not saved if I don't have works. It has to have a different implication. Otherwise, it's just incompatible. One doesn't overrule the other. Look at verse 14. Maybe, maybe I should actually go to verse 10 first because James is very clear that he agrees with Paul. For whatsoever, whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. If you offend in one point, you're guilty of all. And there's nobody who's ever lived that is not offending in one point every day of their life. So, you're guilty of all. Verse 14, What does it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he has faith, and have not works, can faith save him? That's what makes this hard, right? <laughs> can faith save him? Well, eternally, according to Romans 3 and 4, and Ephesians 2, and right? Yes, my faith is what saves me. Are we talking about our eternal salvation, our, our rebirth in this passage? It can't be. How did it start? What does it profit? Keep reading. Verse 15 says, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and if one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it have not works, is dead, being alone. You haven't done anybody any good in your faith if you're not living it and actually doing the things that the Scripture teaches us we ought to do. So now, I am keeping the law. <laughs> now I am doing what God instructs us to do. But it has nothing to do with my salvation or evidence of it. It's, it's that I'm being profitable to God and to people. 
If faith hath, hath not works, it is dead being alone. Not that there's no salvation. It's that it's useless. <laughs> it's of no good to anybody other than your ticket to, in grace, right? If we take that thought and go back to Matthew, go back to Matthew chapter 5 now. I hope this creates a conclusion to this that's satisfactory to all of our intellect. <laughs> Matthew 5, um, start in verse 14. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our works have nothing to do with our salvation. It has to do with let people see your works so that they see Christ living in you and that they'll glorify God. If I point to my works as evident token of my salvation, I'm looking for glory. Look at me. Look at the change in my life. Look at, look at me. Look at my works. Look at what I've done. We don't do that. It has nothing to do with our salvation. I, the whole profitableness of it that James is talking about, and whether it's dead or alive, has to do with, am I using it for God's glory? Is my faith following through and living a life that can now give glory to God and that people can see God working in me? I love, um, oh, Doug's here. I'll talk about him anyway. <laughs> John is witnessing to uh, Bishop Rasikov. Got the Nas name right? <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> Bishop knew Doug in his previous life. Doug was not always the wonderful, lovable teddy bear of a man that he is today. He's, <laughs> he's got a past that he's not particularly proud of, that I won't say anything about. <laughs> but Bishop knew him then. And to John, as John is witnessing to Bishop, he will talk about Doug, about the change that God has made in his life. He can see that God has worked and done a miracle in Doug because he is not the same person that he used to be. He is letting his light shine. For what purpose? That God gets the glory and that others can see the work that God has done in him. Do you see <laughs> that it's not just an evidence that we can look at and say, well, okay, yeah, he's saved. Well, I'm not sure about him because I don't see much change in him. It's not for us to look inwardly at ourselves to evaluate my level of works to determine whether my faith was real. If my faith is real, 
I should now go and do what the scripture says. I should live soberly and righteously in this present world. I should live a life of good works so that my light is shining and not being hid under a bushel so that people can see the change that God has wrought in my life. There's a difference. It's subtle, but there's a difference between the two things. Let God get the glory. And if you want to question whether you're saved or not, go back to 1 John 5, verse 12, which tells us how we can know that we have eternal life. And it's not by evaluating the change in our life. It's by evaluating what I put my faith in. Did you put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ on the cross for your sins? If that's what you believed in, you are permanently, eternally saved, justified, given Christ's righteousness before God. But before men, we now need to start living like God saved us. <laughs> Live out your faith in righteousness, in holy living. Change your life so that people can look at you and say, something happened. What was that? What changed you? And it's Christ. We can point to Christ. That he gets the glory. That's the purpose of our good works, is to give God the glory so that people can see him living in us. Not so that we can look at each other, comparing ourselves among ourselves, judging our own righteousness among ourselves, right? Whether I'm good enough to, have I, have I given enough evidence that I truly believed and truly received? No, it's, it's that God would get the glory, that people would see him in us. That's our job. That's the purpose of our works after salvation. It has absolutely nothing to do with evidence that we're saved or, or being made righteous before God. Um, I hope that I've answered every <laughs> scripture that people would bring up on this topic, or at least most, to the satisfaction that you could understand where I'm coming from in this. I was sent a video of a guy preaching, teaching his, his view on the other side that the, the works is evidence of our salvation. Um, but at the end of the video, he made the point, says, we may not be able to tell the difference between a backsliding Christian and a lost person. Specifically, a lost person trying to do works for salvation. That lost person doing works for salvation, that Catholic that's trying to work, do good works to make sure they have their spot, or whatever, whoever that person is, um, they'll often look way better than a, just a regular Christian and way better than a backsliding Christian. So how do I judge? How do I look to my works as evidence of salvation if, if I can point and say that this person working for salvation looks way better 
than the backsliding Christian. The backsliding Christian is even going the wrong direction. Most preachers will point that, well, it's a direction, right? You're, you're on the trajectory of improvement, of desires towards God. That backslider is not on that trajectory. Is he saved? Yeah. Christ, the, the scripture doesn't ever conclude that that person wasn't saved. They need to get right. God is going, like, that 1 Corinthians 11 is a great place. And I'm going to, I'll go there later. <laughs> but it talks about God chastening believers. Like, if you're not living the kind of life that's representing Christ properly, he will chasten you. That's a scary promise. Let's, let's claim the promises of God. He chastens those whom he loves. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> let's not claim all the promises of God. <laughs> right? I don't like that one. But that is one. So, we, we come to the conclusion that a Christian cannot, can be a Christian, can be truly saved without a demonstration of works. And a lost person can demonstrate works without having faith. Who are we to judge? You know what? All we can do when we approach that person who I'm uncertain of, Christ died for your sins. What do you think of Christ? It's all I can do. Present the cross. And if he paid for your sins, one of the, one of the videos in the, in the recent thing on Thursday night, one of the individuals that he approached and trying to give the gospel to is this complete reprobate of a man glorying in his sinful life I'll do me, you do you, blah, 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 blah. And he tries to give him the gospel. He's like, you heard of Jesus? Like, oh yeah, I know Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I'm saved already. Like, you sure don't sound it when you're glorying in your sin. And that was, I mentioned, you know, Romans 6, 1, 8, 1, whatever. 6, 1, I think it is. Shall I continue in sin that grace may abound? That's the guy's attitude. This is God forbid. Why... Why would we trample on God's grace? If I understand Christ, if I truly understand that my sin was sending me to hell and a perfect sinless son of God stepped in my place, took my sin on him, how could I ever enter that relationship with the attitude that I'm just going to, I'm going to do me and you do you and you know what? I got my ticket. I'm going to heaven later. I don't, I don't see that. That's not the way Scripture presents salvation. <laughs> we don't enter it with this attitude that I'm going to carry on in my sin. There's got to be a sorrow <laughs> for some sin in this somewhere. <laughs> and a desire. And we talk about it. Like, is the desire proof that I was saved? No, not necessarily. But it's it's what should happen. <laughs> it's what should happen. Right? Let's, we'll stop there. I'll start and get into the next message here. <laughs> but we treat this person like he's lost because he's not understanding the gospel. 
He's not understanding the, his sinful condition and the righteousness of God and what is required there. What was required to, to give him that forgiveness. Christ on the cross is not a, a light thing. So let's pray.